Welcome to C3 Belconnen. We hope you enjoy our latest Sunday message by Pastor Nick Hunt. Hey, welcome to this second part uh, to our New Normal series. Now, the whole idea of this series is that uh, as we invite Christ into our lives, we are transformed. We become a brand new person uh, and his plan for us uh, begins to be revealed in our lives. Jesus is not a, an addition or an upgrade to our lives. Our life is hidden in him, Colossians actually tells us. We so often over and over in Ephesians, which is the book we're walking through, and we're looking at chapter two today. So often we get over and over told what it means to be in Christ. That particular phrasing is so incredibly powerful. And uh, the early, really the first half of, of Ephesians uh, is, is all about the, God's work, all about the newness of life in God and in Jesus Christ. And then the second part is the new way God's people live, the way we relate to others, uh, the way we honor God, the way we live out our calling, even the way uh, that we approach uh, things uh, of a spiritual nature. And so there's this transformation in our lives that we talked about last week. And today I wanna to talk about an invitation. Today I wanna to talk about the invitation into community, into connection with each other that comes through a relationship with Christ. And Really, the, the start of Ephesians chapter 2 uh, links very closely. It's almost like a, a follow-on from uh, what we had in Ephesians 1 there. You could also see it as a, a bit of a reminder and a launching point for the rest of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And I just want to read this uh, with you because it's so powerful. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of this unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. I love Paul's writing here. He is he's making this personal, but showing that we are all a part of this picture. But God, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as he has shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus, those who are in Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believe. This is really when he's getting to the, the punchy part of it. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. That's what grace is, a gift from God. We didn't do anything to earn his saving grace. It is freely offered to us, but must be accepted to be received. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. What an amazing passage of scripture. What a powerful summation of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And maybe if this, this might be standing out to you, and I would encourage you just over this week, maybe it's in your connect group, in your family, or just personally in a devotional time, just read over this passage, this 
this series lends itself to just week by week reading through these chapters and meditating on them, chewing on them, thinking about what God is saying to you and I collectively, but also what's he saying to you individually as you read this? Do you read this and go, oh, that's right. I didn't earn my salvation. That also means I can't unearn it. Sometimes we get this attitude that, oh, when we're doing well, we should be able to pray to God, you know, but if we're having a bad day or being poorly behaved, you know, oh, I just can't feel like I can pray. But that's almost acting as if we can earn our salvation, as if what we do draws us closer to God. So much that God can speak to us uh, through this passage here, but ultimately it's all about unity. It says that we are united with Christ and we are united in Christ. You and I are all in the same boat. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We all miss the mark. We are all in the same boat. But there is good news because God has saved us by his grace if we have put our trust in Jesus, if we have believed in him. So this passage is all about an incredible sense of unity and it goes on to expand uh, on this idea uh, more and more. You see, what it's ultimately about is the fact that God has called us together in Jesus. Not only are we in Christ, but we're all together in Christ. This means all of our differences are gone. We start out with this reminder that we are all in the same boat, but God just doesn't, doesn't just leave us hanging there. He invites us all into his family to be a part of what he is doing. After this setting of the scene of our transformation, the start of this passage, now we begin to hear more and more about what God is doing. He's calling those, it says in verse 11, who used to be outsiders, uh, he's calling them to become insiders, those who were living apart from Christ, who were excluded uh, from relationship with him because they weren't uh, citizens of Israel. They weren't part of God's covenant people. They were, they were without hope in this world. But now you've been united with Christ, verse 13 says. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. You know the incredible passion and desire across the globe right now for justice, for peace, for unity, for the breaking down of differences, for equality... This all began in the word and the works of Jesus Christ. He was the great revolutionary in a society that was structured and divided along every level, male, female, rich, poor, slave, free, different ethnicities, different belief systems, all these divisions. Christ came preaching that everyone was in the same boat and his, his church went on preaching and teaching this incredible power of unity in Christ, all differences broken down. Christ has brought peace to us. He's reconciled us to himself. He's brought peace between us. He's reconciled us to, to, to each other. And he wants to bring peace through us as we go about our day-to-day -day lives. He's calling us to reconcile others to himself and therefore also to us. What an incredible thought that is. He has brought peace to us, peace uh, through us and peace between us. There are no differences. He has broken down all of those separations. In fact, verse 16 says it like this, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, the insiders and the outsiders, 
Regardless of where they found themselves, they'd both missed the mark. And Jesus brought them together through his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other is put to death. He's brought this good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far away and peace to the Jews, his people who were near. And listen to this verse, verse 18 is, is so loaded. Listen to this. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done for us. What a powerful summation of God's Trinitarian work. Big, big sort of thought there, a bit of theology for today. His Trinitarian work in our lives. We can come to the Father by the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. There's something to just chew on over this week. What an amazing picture. Paul, throughout Ephesians, over and over again, reminds us of the triune nature of God, that we have a loving Heavenly Father who has sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to purchase our freedom, to forgive our sins, so that we can live a Spirit-empowered life before Him. We have every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. Remember, we talked about that last week. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time on one of my favorite passages. It's, in fact, it's our core passage as a church. It's at the end of Ephesians chapter 2. We so often uh, read it out of uh, the message version because it's just such a beautiful phrasing. I'll read it out of the New Living and also the message. So, sound, so now you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. How incredible is that? We've been carefully joined together in him. The message version says it like this. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick and stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. What an incredible thought. We were outsiders. We were alienated from God. We were dead in our sins and transgressions. God transformed our lives radically, we heard in Ephesians chapter 1 and the start of Ephesians 2 here. He radically transformed us, made us a, a brand new creation. Now he's calling us into a new community. He's calling us to be a part of his body, to be a part of the family, into this building, this incredible thing that he is shaping up, a temple in which God is quite at home. You see, our new normal as followers of Christ is to be brought together for God to dwell in our midst. Our new normal is to break down differences, to, to leave all of that behind, to be fashioned into something greater than the sum of its parts, to rejoice together, to journey together, to celebrate together, to, to weep together, to walk alongside one another in this incredible picture of the richness of the body of Christ, of what he is doing. I just celebrate that I'm on the journey with you. 
How good is that? And that you're on the journey with the person sitting next to you and the people you get to do life with. Never pull back. Never pull back from community. Never pull back from connect groups, from serving on teams, from showing up at church and giving God glory together. It's the way he designed it to be. So easy for us to take for granted so much of this. You know, uh, in a lot of cases, we might not know what it feels like to be an outsider, but I'm sure some of us could remember that. Maybe you've actually come, maybe you've come from a far land to find your home in Australia. Our church is full of people from all around the world. Maybe you're just from a different city and it took you a time to, to sort of find your feet in Canberra. Maybe you've got experiences in your life of being one of the outsiders, of not knowing uh, how you fit in, of feeling a bit strange or a bit like an outsider. Probably all of us can identify with this, Uh, being strangers and foreigners. There's this kind of progression in the language here I want to highlight. It says, first of all, that we are no longer strangers or foreigners. We are citizens with all of God's family. We're not wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is our home country. I love this idea. We've removed from exile and wandering. That's someone who has no place to settle, who is like a refugee, somebody who is dislocated, has nowhere to be. And in fact, we are given citizenship, which has with it rights and responsibilities. We have become members of the family. We have relationship. Together, we are his house. We have a reliance on each other, on Christ and on each other. We are carefully joined together. That means we are reconciled together and we are shaped into a dwelling where God lives by his spirit. There is a sense of revelation and a a shared expression of the glory of God that is incumbent on God's people. See, in Christ, we're no longer wandering exiles. We're not displaced people with nothing to bring us together. We are offered refuge, security. We we are relocated. We have a place to, to settle you know, but don't just stop there in our thinking. Don't just sort of camp out on the edges of what God has for you. Too many people live as if God has, has just kind of got you over the line and, and a life with him is limited to the basics. You know, we read on to find that we're not just relocated, but we're offered citizenship. We, we are brought into, into this incredible new level of, of living in relationship to one another. I knew many years ago I worked for the government and for a while I worked in the citizenship area. And when we talked about citizenship, we talked about two very specific things, that it comes with rights and responsibilities, both rights and responsibilities, right? So things that, that become ours, uh, that we can claim, that, are, that we are entitled to, but also responsibilities, things that, that are now required of us, things that we are, the ways that we participate. You see, one without the other makes us either entitled if it's all just about our rights, or enslaved if it's all just about responsibilities. The rights and responsibilities go together to make a full picture of what it means to be a citizen. See, you and I as citizens of heaven, we have these incredible rights that we've talked about, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. But boy, do we have a responsibility as well to live our lives for God's glory, not to cheapen His grace or take advantage Uh, of Christ's sacrifice for us, not to still live uh, separated from others, not to hold things against others. God has forgiven us. We're called to forgive others. There are rights and responsibilities for those who are citizens of heaven. But wait, there's more. A follower of Jesus is not just one of the mass of kingdom citizens. They are a part of the family. There's a shift in language here now to the the idea of belonging. We are citizens with God's holy people. We are members of God's family, it says in verse 19. 
There's a shift here to this idea of belonging. We're becoming a part of the family is a new level of intimacy and involvement. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And, and in the next week, as we look at chapter three, we'll learn more about becoming a part of the family of God. There's a whole new level of intimacy and relationship here. Being part of a family goes way deeper than just being a citizen. This whole new level of relationship. There are, there are things that happen in a family. There are things I don't get to choose if I'm family. You know, I don't get to choose necessarily who's in the family with me, okay? That just kind of happens around me. I'm not allowed to pick favorites and choose sides. Hey, I've actually got to work at getting on with everybody. It's incumbent on all of us to leave behind our differences and to celebrate what brings us together, to fight for relationship, to fight to, to keep things right between us. Uh, Colossians talks about being, binding ourselves together with peace. You know, being a part of a family comes with responsibilities uh, as well. There are things that I do just to make our family as great as it possibly can be. A family is not a place. It's not, it's like a home is different to a hotel. A hotel is somewhere I just come and everything's done for me. But man, church is not like a hotel. Church is all like a family. We've all got a part to play. We, we bring something. We bring something to the mix. We offer something uh, to others. It goes on even further. The next step, it says we are his house. We are being built together. We're actually reliant on each other. You know, one brick on its own is a leftover, but many bricks together make a wall. Do you know the thing about a brick is that its usefulness is only in relation to other bricks. Many bricks together, right, with mortar in between, become a wall, become a structure, a useful. Otherwise, it's just a pile of rubble. We have this strength and usefulness in relation to each other. Who's a little challenged by the fact that you're by nature as a member of God's family, reliant on each other. Uh, by nature, you, you, you know, we're not, we're not the independent, resilient Aussies that we love to think of ourselves as, but are actually intimately interconnected. We are reliant on each other as a part of God's family. Even further, it tells us that, that we are carefully joined together. This is the picture of reconciliation. God has placed you and me together, so who are we to disagree? You know, I've said before that this sort of idea of reconciled relationships is a big way, and we'll come to this further on in our series, is a big way that the kingdom of God is displayed through us. If we love one another, we're showing, right, that we belong to Jesus. And so Christ is, is fully revealed in our midst, we learn here, as we are joined together in Him, as we learn how to live in relationship with one another, as we allow God to shape us and fit us together, as we find our part to play, as we support, champion, encourage uh, one another, God is fully revealed in our midst. We become a dwelling place where God lives by His Spirit. We experience the fullness of God in community. So God desires to express himself through us as a part of community. You know, God is far less concerned with the raw materials, right? With how impressive you are or how impressive or, or not that I am, but more about the way that we come together. He is so passionate, not just about having the perfect parts, but all of us coming together, right? In the mix together so that he can shape up something that is beautiful and gives him glory like a skilled carpenter a skilled builder he's shaping us into something beautiful something that that gives him glory god's plan is to bring us all together in himself to break down barriers and call us together there is such a deep longing and sense of yearning 
for community. If anything, this season of isolation and separation has amplified that. There is a yearning for community. There is a strength in who we are together. We've seen that right throughout our culture. We've seen the loss of that. We've seen the successes and celebrated that together as well. Community is about being known. Community is about growing together. Community is where we develop maturity. Community is what keeps us healthy. Ultimately, community is a shared responsibility. It's not my job, I can't just create community. You and I, every one of us, are called to be a part of what God is doing, to commit ourselves to community. That's what God has done by bringing us together, reconciling us in Christ, calling us to become a brand new people of God, not separated, but united in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us as we finish up. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You have called us to yourself, reconciled us to one another, given us this ministry of reconciliation, this this incredible picture of us built into your body as your building, as a place that you dwell by your spirit. I pray that we would discover that in a deeper and greater way in every one of our connect groups, in our services, in Belconnen and Gangal, and everywhere we find ourselves. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are moving powerfully in our midst. Lord, and I thank you that as you are drawing people to yourself right now, even people listening to this message who don't know you, that you're not just calling them to, to follow you from a distance, but up close and in community with one another. I thank you for the beauty and the glory of following Jesus together that you're calling us all into. Amen. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.